a great thing to be in the house of the Lord. Amen? The alternative isn't good. Hallelujah. Who knows where you'd be otherwise, right? Amen? Hallelujah. Let's just take a moment and let's pray and go before the Lord concerning the word tonight. Father, we are grateful and thankful for the word of God that is life-changing, that is life-giving. I thank you, Father, for the word of God in this house tonight. I ask, Father, that we receive and take in and contain all that you'd have for us tonight. We thank you, Father, for impact on our hearts tonight. We thank Father, thankful, Father, for life changing in this house tonight. We find every weapon of darkness that would be against this word. I declare the blood of the Lamb at work in this house. Every hindrance from hearing, receiving, speaking, I thank you, Father, it's bound in Jesus' name that there is light in this house tonight. And I give you praise and thanksgiving for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Pastor Jerry started out this year declaring that this was a year of the overcomer. Yeah. Ooh, right? Second Timothy 3, 1, it says that in the last days, perilous times or times of stress will come. Now, if you think that it's not coming, you are fooled. And if you think we're not in the last days, that's deception number two. Okay, we are in the last days and there's stress. Now, if you marry the fact that it, the stress-free life that he's trying to get us all to live and the overcoming, we have, it's time to overcome stress. Amen? It's time to overcome stress. Whatever is stressful, it's time to overcome it. All right? Now, tonight I'm going to talk about one of the things that causes stress. How many of you know that sometimes stress comes from having too many options? If you go, if I send Pastor Jerry to the store and say, bring a box of snack crackers home, if he goes to our local Powell Butte store where they have one, there's no stress involved. But if he goes to the grocery store and there's a whole aisle of it, there's stress, right? If you have one pair of shoes in your closet, you're never stressed about what pair of shoes you're going to wear, right? All right. So um, the, the thing to remember that we can relate to in our life then is if we will extinguish options, we'll have less stress we get rid of options. So tonight, I'm just going to talk about one of those things on eliminating options. So if you will go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 13, one scripture, and it says, he has, speaking of Jesus, delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. So we can see here in this passage of scripture, he took us out of one dominion and put us in another dominion. He took us out of the dominion of darkness and put us into this other kingdom or dominion of the son of his love. He moved us or shifted us. So one thing to understand from this particular passage of Scripture is this. There are two kingdoms. There are two kingdoms. Neither of these kingdoms can be seen. But there are two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And what the sacrifice of Jesus was about was about repositioning you out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Amen? So these, there are two kingdoms. What is a kingdom? King, a kingdom is a territory, a region, an area that's subject to a king. All right? It's undivided territory under one rule. And the word kingdom is a 
multi, what do you call that? Compound word. Passed. Kingdom is a compound word that just means king jurisdiction. Kingly jurisdiction. So if we have the kingdom of darkness, we have a place where darkness has jurisdiction. If we have the kingdom of God, we have a place where God has jurisdiction. Now, the word jurisdiction just means has authority or right to move. So we have over here a kingdom where darkness has the authority and the right to operate. And we have over here a kingdom or a place where God has the right and authority to operate. All right? But what happens is then there's something there's something that these two kingdoms try to come in on, and that's you and me. These two kingdoms are very different. We have the kingdom of God. We have the kingdom of Satan. We have the kingdom of light. We have the kingdom of darkness. We have the kingdom of illumination and understanding. And we have the kingdom of ignorance and unknowns. We have the kingdom of peace. And we have the kingdom of confusion and chaos. We have the, the kingdom of joy. We have the kingdom of pain. We have the kingdom of sight and vision. And we have the kingdom of blindness. We have the, the kingdom of happiness and life. And we have the kingdom of hurt. We have the kingdom of plenty and the kingdom of lack. We have the kingdom of truth. And the kingdom of darkness. We have white and black. Are you getting the picture? Okay. We have the kingdom that God sustains and the kingdom that requires self-sustaining. So it's the kingdom of receiving or the kingdom of toil. Okay. We have a kingdom of sonship or a kingdom of slavery. Okay. Do you understand the difference between the two kingdoms, all right? There, there is a kingdom of good and the kingdom of bad, very, very bad. But it's also very, very good, okay? We have these two kingdoms, okay? And there is similarities in both of these kingdoms, meaning there is a ruler in both of those kingdoms. Um, both of these kingdoms are invisible. You don't see them with your natural eye. You don't see the ruler of this kingdom, and you don't see the ruler of this kingdom with your visible eye. They're both unseen. Both of these kingdoms can empower. The kingdom of God can empower people to do great exploits. The kingdom of darkness can empower. It can empower. All right? There, um, the word even promises us that the Antichrist coming out of this kingdom will deceive with lying signs and wonders in the last days. This kingdom does empower, all right? So the other thing that's similar between these two kingdoms is this. They both want you. They both want you. Both of these kingdoms. And both of these kingdoms have a pull as if a magnet. It's as if a magnetic pull. Both of these kingdoms have a magnetic pull. The interesting thing about this is this kingdom over here, the pull is so great, you get pulled if you just don't pursue that one. Because this is the kingdom we were born into, we are familiar with, we lived when we didn't have God. So the pull of this is always at work on you if you are not purposefully pulling toward that one. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right. So there is in this thing a, a principle about kingdoms that I want to bring to light right now. That's found in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. 
Jesus, knowing their thoughts, and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against it ho- itself will not stand. Meaning, this kingdom will not stand if it becomes divided. But this is a principle that also works over here. This kingdom will not stand if it becomes divided. Now, in this passage of Scripture, what happened is Jesus cast out a devil. And they said, you cast out a devil by the power of the devil. And he said, that doesn't make any sense. Because if I cast out the devil by the power of the devil, the devil's kingdom wouldn't stand. That makes no sense. And he said, and so he denies that. But let's go on down. Let's see. Let's skip down a couple verses. Let me get over there so I can tell you how far to go, Karen. Hallelujah. Because they're trying to say he's operating as a kingdom of, of the enemy, of the devil, of Beelzebub, or Satan. And he says then in verse 29... Or let's go to 28. Let's go to 28. Can you back up 28? But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Meaning this, I've cast a devil out of there by the power I receive from here. So that means that I am not operating under the power of darkness. All right? But he goes on and says in verse 29, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Okay? So there has to be an operation of binding the operations of this kingdom in your life before you can take on darkness and win. All right? We'll get more. That'll get clearer as we go. In verse 30, he says, He who is not with me is against me, And he who does not gather with me scatters abroad. What he's saying there is this. You are pulling one way or the other all the time. And you have to decide which way you're pulling. Because it's not about we stand in the middle and live gray. We're either gathering or scattering all the time concerning the kingdom of God. All right? So, what are we going to do about this? Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And Jesus said this through this passage of Scripture. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I set before you the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of blessing and the kingdom of cursing. Therefore, you choose the kingdom of God that both you and your descendants may live. Verse 20, that you may love the Lord. He's telling you, this is how you're going to choose this kingdom. You're going to love the Lord your God. You're going to obey his voice and you will cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days. And that you may dwell in the land which the, which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them covenant land. All right. So he's saying, this is what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to make conscious choices about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And remember what I said about the magnetic pole? Because no choice is a choice for darkness. No choice is a choice for darkness. Okay? There is nothing on the planet that's stronger than your choosing. There is no power that is greater than the power of your choice. Because the word is great and powerful, but the word will never override your choice. The devil has lots of plans and ideas, but he cannot usurp authority over you because man was given dominion on the earth. So there is nothing more powerful than your choice. And your choice will determine whether the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of God 
is at work in your life. Hallelujah. Are you following what we're saying tonight? All right. So we have this, this pull on us to go either way. And like I said, not choosing God automatically sends you this direction. You know that and I know that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is differences between these two kingdoms. And the difference is darkness wants to take control. And light just gives you an invitation. This one wants to dominate and dictate. And this one wants to give you an offer you can't refuse. One wants control and one gives opportunity. Okay? So let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So now we know that what lies between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light is our choosing. Our choosing. All right. And um, I'm going to read this first. In, can we go to the Old King James first, Karen? Thank you. Um, the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. I was thinking about this scripture today, and I thought, Lord, my whole life in you before people is trying to influence a choice. That's all I feel like I've ever done in ministry, is tried to influence a choice. Try, do you get that? Just constantly trying to influence a choice of choosing God, choosing God, choosing God. But the way they word it here, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, this is what this is, looks like. I'm born again, and I know what I should do, but I don't want to do what I got to do. I know what I'm supposed to do. I just don't want to do it. What am I doing? Opposing myself. Because the real me, where God lives, and the spirit of God within me is wanting to go this kingdom. But I've seen some things over there. That looks fun. That looks like it could be great. That looks easier over here. Note to self, familiar is always easier in appearance. But familiar is not always right. Okay? So what happens is I get this war going in myself, opposing myself to do the right thing. To do the right thing. And I've got this. I should zip my lip. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be watching this. I shouldn't be looking at this. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be treating this one this way. I should be in the house of God. All these things are opposing forces. And the idea is that it's to, you're opposing yourself because the enemy knows if I could get you to make a choice, I've got your life. If I can just get you to make a little bit of a choice, I've got you under my control. And that's the way this game of spiritual life is to the dark world. If I can just get you to make a choice, then I can dominate you. Amen? So let's read on here. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance, which means a change, if they'll make a change, repentance comes out of choice. Hallelujah. If God will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, verse 26, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. We need to wake up to this fact. The enemy wants us to make a choice, but it's not just in the choice. He has a thought of taking you captive that you'll do his will in the earth for him. 
And it's not about the big, bad, ugly, occult seance. If he can just get you to talk nasty about somebody, that's his will in the earth. If he can just get you addicted, that's nasty in the earth. If he can just get you to um, hurt someone, harm someone, physically, verbally, whatever, taken, then it's taken captive by him to do his will. All right, let's look at just verse 26, Karen, if we can, in the New King James. And that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Now, understand this. This is not the people outside of God that have been taken, back, been taken captive by him to do his will. This is the people in God that have been taken captive by him to do his will. Hallelujah. And how does he get them? How does the enemy take us captive? Now, I don't think I've ever heard of a situation, maybe you guys have, ever heard of a situation where the devil appeared in a Christian's bedroom and said, hey, I'm the devil and I'm taking over you now. He starts right here. Give you a thought. You know, I should have this instead. Or I should do this instead. Or everybody else gets to. Why don't I? See, one of the factors about these two kingdoms is this. The main characteristic of this, of this kingdom is love. It always is concerned about everyone else. It always has compassion. It always has generosity. It always has agape in operation. This kingdom over here is always characterized by selfishness. It's selfishness. It's not hatred and yuck and yucky, 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 even though selfishness is yucky, yucky, yucky. But it's selfishness. So if the enemy can start getting you to make choices about how I feel, what I want, what's best for me. He's got you in a place of working to take you captive to do his will. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Because the end is not, well, I can just play with this and play with this and play with this and play with this. You're gathering, you're scattering. You're not doing both. There is no gray. There is no gray in life. There is a heaven and there is a hell. There is not a middle ground when you die because you were gray. Do you understand? And, and there's not a middle ground where we can buy you out of one direction or the other. You understand what I'm saying? There is heaven and there is hell. It's either you're serving this one or you're serving that one. Okay? And you can tell... If you know you're doing the wrong thing because of this, you have to defend your choices and what you're doing. And you have to validate it with reasons why I deserve -da, selfishness in operation. Is nobody getting this? Was it just me that got convicted? All right. All right. So the word to take captive literally means to make a prisoner of. The devil wants to make a prisoner of you. And it's not about a prisoner that, like I said, you're going to become a, a witch or something like that. That's not what it's about. He just wants a place in you because if he can get a place in you, he can get a place in your family, in your state, in your nation, and it just keeps going on and on and on and on. All right? But... More importantly, this word to take captive means to entrap or to hunt and catch. The devil is looking for a way to hunt and catch you, meaning he wants to bait you. And you have to become aware of what kind of bait the enemy uses on you. You have to become consciously awake to that is bait of the enemy to try and get me to do his plan. And it may not be 
I mean, he's been around for a long time. He's not trying to move on, on you completely today. He's just trying to get you to inch closer to his kingdom a little bit. Just a little bit. Because he knows if you do a little bit today, tomorrow he can bait you with the same thing, and you go a little bit farther, and the next time he can bait you with a little bit more, you go a little bit farther, and every time you're not realizing that there's less and less of God in operation in your life, because, hey, this feels good. Look how free I am. I don't have to go to church anymore. I don't have to give up anything anymore. But what we don't understand is the end result here is completely taken captive to do his plan. See, it's a gradual diminishing, not an instantaneous explosion. Because it's in the power of our choosing. The power of our choosing. The power of our choosing. Amen? So we have to figure out what's the bait the devil uses on me. Fatigue. Um, it may be um, lust. Pleasures. Everybody outside of God looks like they have a lot more fun than us people in God. You understand what I'm saying? He wants you to see something that will captivate your heart. He wants to grab a hold of something in you to pull you that way. All right? So in order for you to properly resist the bait, you have to be awake and aware of where selfishness enters in because that's the main characteristic of this kingdom. Where does what about me enter in? You know, we can all be afraid of being abused to the point that um, we get really selfish. We don't, nobody wants to be abused. You didn't wake up this morning and say, oh, I hope somebody abuses me and puts me in my place. Nobody does that. You understand what I mean? But we can't be so fearful of being abused that we're never able to be used. Okay? Hallelujah. So, the enemy's looking for ways to take charge of your life, but he cannot overstep your will. That's the beautiful thing of it. He can't make you choose something anti-God. He can't force that on you. You can at any time resist the devil and he's got to flee. At any time. Anytime you resist the devil, he's mandated to flee because darkness wants to demand and push and he wants you to believe. This is one key thing. Darkness always wants you to believe you have no choice. You have no power to be free. You have no ability to come out and be changed. You have no strength to do it. That's what darkness wants you to believe. But in God, there's always enough of God in you if you know him to always be free. Amen? But I notice with peop certain people that have been in lifestyles for a length of time, they've decided there is no liberty for them. They can't be free. Why do they think they can't be free? Because this kingdom wants them to think they can't be free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we are on a mandate of change and things made different. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's go to James chapter 4, verse 8. Familiar passage of scripture for everyone. I just want to read the first line of it. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, understand this. When you make a choice for God, God always responds with a pull toward him. When you draw near to God, you make a choice for God, God always responds by drawing on you, pulling on you, all right? So then what we have here is this means that God responds to our drawing. And so what that tells us then is this magnetic pull over on this side. Opportunity is always present and available. But this magnet doesn't get activated 
until you make a decision to go this way. And it doesn't matter how far back here you are. If you make a choice to go that way, it's like you grab the rope and say, I'm going that way. And God stands over here and begins to pull you in. He's drawing you in. Because you made a decision, I'm going to draw near to God. Well, I feel like all hell has broke loose on my life. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how far from that kingdom you are. If you say, God, I need your help. I want you, God. He begins to pull. He begins to pull. He doesn't care how far down you are because he always wants to bring you up. Amen. So he begins to respond, but he will not overstep the boundary of your choosing. He is not going to lasso you and pull you out. Do you see the difference? That's what the darkness wants to do is to require and force something on you. God is always available for deliverance, but you have to draw to him first. All right. Light invites and draws. But we have to remember this, every refusal to draw toward God, every refusal that we have operating in us of refusing to draw toward God is always birthed in selfishness. It's what, what I want to do instead, what I don't have time for, what I, where I want to be instead, what I want to do instead. All of those things have the attribute of being self-induced or self protecting so the self-protect goes to war against the drawing near to God you know it doesn't really work I'm going to draw near to God on my terms now how spiritual does that sound (laughs) I'm going to draw near to God when I feel like it okay but the problem the when I feel like it overrides the I'm going to draw near to God so then it pulls you this way We have not understood the power that our choosing of small things daily is really doing for us concerning this kingdom and this kingdom. It's so weighty. The power of our choice is a big deal. Amen? Hallelujah. All right. So once if the enemy can get you to move toward this this self-awareness, this self, uh, I'm completely... um, You know, how do I say this? The world itself, the spirit of the world is very selfish. You know, um, when I was a kid, I was raised on a farm. When somebody had a crisis, the whole community came to that crisis. You know, everybody came. Everybody did. Everybody helped. Everybody had a part. But... You know, the farther we go in the last days, it, more, it becomes more about me time. What can you do for you? You know, what can I do about me? And the whole point of that is the enemy trying to pull us all this way. He's trying to, he's trying to pull us all this way. And we have to understand that it's not a... It's not a, it should not be a spectacular thing to think that the enemy uses selfishness to drive his whole kingdom. You know, um, you've seen a crisis before that have happened in the news and things like that. And um, um, the ones that go into recovery mode, It's because someone gave up their right of their time, their resources, their abilities to do something for someone else. The ones that say, what about us? You should be helping us. You should be doing something about us. It doesn't have a spirit of recovery on it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And what happens to us is we stand in this position of having a choice and you know, we go through this mental reasoning and then, you know, have you ever tried to do the pros and cons of what I should do, what I shouldn't do, all that kind of stuff? How many of you know that causes stress? That causes stress. 
because you maneuver the pros and cons to come out the re with the end result you want, right? You know, should I buy that new truck or should I not? Well, the pros are this and the cons are this. Ooh, I like it. So there's a little more pros, right? You know, you know we, we maneuver that. But that's part of stress where this kingdom over here just wants to give you a leading of yes or no and doesn't take all this deliberation, okay? Because you're going to deliberate through your personal desires anyway. All right, so let's look back one verse here, James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So if you're going to submit to God, that means you're going to obey. You're going to be under obedience. You're going to make yourself subject to. You're going to submit yourself to. You're going to do that. And when you do that, the pull toward this kingdom is active and alive on your behalf. Okay? It's just a choice. I choose today to hold my tongue when they said that to me. I've gotten closer. And the closer I get into the salt core and the center of this kingdom, the more power is in operation in my life of this kingdom. Okay? It's, it's small choices. It's not that I'm born again, yahoo, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this kingdom. Well, there's no point of living like hell saved in the earth. Okay? So he says, submit to God. And then he says, resist the devil. And sometimes this is where it gets hard because we feel like if we don't submit to the devil, then we're not resisting God. But he says you have to submit to God and resist the devil for this thing to work. Well, I'm not inviting the devil. No, the whole system is going this way. And without your conscious decision to go that way, you're going to find yourself going this way. Try, don't try this. Just trust me on this, okay? Trust me on this. You don't pray. You don't spend any time talking to God. You don't worship God. You don't um, acknowledge God. You don't go to church. In two weeks, you'll think the best thing to do is stay away from God. It takes a very short time where you feel a life without God is easier. I'm not lying, am I, Pastor? It doesn't take long. And it's easier. Why? Because this pull. Pull. And see, in order for conviction to work, you have to be close to the, in this kingdom. You have to be in this kingdom. Now, conviction is not your enemy Conviction is your friend because what conviction does says, if you'll make this change, you'll have more power in God. If you'll make this adjustment, you'll be mightier in God. If you make this alteration in your life, you're going to want more of God. And what happens is a lot of people want to avoid conviction because they don't want to know where they're coming up short. So in order to avoid conviction, we've got to avoid that kingdom. And that's what makes it feel like this is an easier kingdom to live in. Because the devil never convicts. He just kills. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, and so what happens is because we want to avoid conviction, we avoid the kingdom over here thinking if I can stay away from conviction, then my life is better. You ought to be convicted for sleeping with somebody when you're not married. You ought to be. You ought to be convicted for using some substances that are an alternative for the Holy Spirit. You ought to be convicted of that. You ought to be convicted of never reading your Bible. You ought to be convicted of not going to church. And if you're convicted, then you celebrate because that means you're close in this kingdom. You be glad because that means the Spirit of God has found you and is drawing you. Because conviction always comes in the force of Him drawing you. 
So you need to celebrate conviction. When you say something wrong, you got to question yourself. Why don't I feel bad about that? Well, there's a problem. You should feel bad about that. If you feel like I shouldn't have said that, that's conviction working. That means you're pulling toward this kingdom. If there is no conviction, do you know the world's not convicted of the dark things they do? They're not convicted of dark things they do at all. Why is that? Because they're so far from this kingdom, conviction can't touch them and reach them. And so if you want to avoid conviction, you can do that. But the problem is the end of this is not going to be pretty. Hallelujah. All right. So we have to learn how to resist the devil. I mean, we stand in opposition. Stand in opposition. Sometimes you got to decide just because the devil wants me to do it, as proof I'm not doing it. Hallelujah. You have to oppose it and stand against it because you will never conquer what you surrender to. You cannot conquer what you surrender to. You do, cannot think that I can submit, submit to the enemy's thoughts and ideas and then I'm going to conquer the kingdom of darkness. It will not work. For instance, you cannot think that you can tell a lie which is induced by the father of lies and take on darkness in your kids and win. See, you're working and operating out of this kingdom. If you speak the truth, you're operating out of this kingdom, so you've got the impact of this kingdom to change the circumstances in your life that are being haunted by that kingdom. You have to keep yourself pressing and walking toward this kingdom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's about, you think about it, if I will draw every day just a little bit toward God, every day just a little bit toward God, every day just a little bit toward God. Have you ever seen um, places um, where um, people, like if you put so much, our, our hometown is big at this. They're trying to raise money for a new swimming pool, okay? So if the community comes up with $10, someone in the community is going to match it with another $10. So your $10 really is $20, right? You understand what I'm saying? It's the same way you draw near to God. If I take one step toward God, he's taking a step toward me. So the distance between us is cut quicker. Do you see what I'm saying? If I take a giant step toward God, God takes a giant step toward me. The distance between us got shortened at double speed. Amen? All right. So it's that consistent drawing, what you do all the time, what you do all the time. Because this kingdom is working on you day and night. And so you have to have a daily decision to go after that kingdom because any day you let up, you're backing up just the way it works, unfortunately. Hallelujah. So let's go over to um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. This is how we have to do this. It says, test all things, hold fast what is good. So in your decision-making process, some thought, some idea, something comes to you, you need to test it. It means to discern, examine, and approve or reject. So an idea comes. I think I'm going to go do this today. Test that and approve that or reject it because your approval or rejection will determine which kingdom you're drawing to. And hold fast, he says, what is good. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, choose life. He, say, he doesn't say now... Think about the dark. Think about the evil. Think about the bad. He said, just trash that and go for the good. And you have to test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Why? Because it keeps my connection to the kingdom of God intact. Amen? All right. Hold fast. It, keep it. it means literally to keep it in your memory. Hold fast the good. Keep in your memory the good. Keep it, hold it down, all right? Keep it in your life, all right? Now, there's two things that we have to understand about this. 
The kingdom of God is present and available. The kingdom of darkness is present and pulling. The kingdom of God is present and available. The kingdom of darkness is present and pulling. Okay? Now, the word of God tells us how to get the kingdom of God in and the kingdom of darkness out. And it's two different strategies, but they both come through your mouth. Hallelujah. They both come through your mouth. So if you, uh, let's go to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Hallelujah. And it's talking about Abraham. It says, um, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed. God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So here I stand with a choice. And right now, let's say there's something in the kingdom of God, something that's been promised in the kingdom of God, whether it's um, health or finance or peace, and I'm not living in it, this thing over here has got a hold on me right now. Say, let's, go, let's use peace as an example. This, this kingdom over here is tormenting me with a thought. Tormenting me with a thought. But yet this kingdom over here says, but in this kingdom you have peace. Now Jesus, we started out, he translated us out of that kingdom and put us over here. Because, so this is supposed to be our abiding and a dwelling place. And the benefits and everything that this kingdom has to offer. Okay, so then I'm sitting here tormented by something from over there. Christians will have the kingdom of darkness try to move in on them. They will. Okay, so you've got a war on your hands. But God in this scripture in Romans 4 tells us what to do. You don't have peace, but you know peace is available. Call it. Call peace to you. I call on the peace of God. I declare the peace of God is operating in my life. And every time I'm doing that, I'm drawing on that. I'm drawing on that. I'm drawing. I'm calling it. If you want to feed the dog, don't call the cat. When you want to feed the dog, you call the dog, right? So what I want is peace, and I don't have it right now. You got to get honest. I don't have peace. I need peace, but it's in that kingdom. So I call what's in that kingdom to me. I'm drawing it. I'm calling on strength right now from the Lord. I'm calling on health from the Lord. I'm calling for help from the Lord. And you start calling those things. Now notice, it didn't say anything about praying. It didn't say anything about praying to get what's in the kingdom available to you, to you. Prayer is about your communion with God. All right? And when you commune with God, he reveals to you the benefits that are available to you. But we need to get active with our mouth because with the heart we believe, with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. We have to get active with our mouth and start calling out of that kingdom what we need, because it's a form of drawing closer to that kingdom. Amen? So we got a call to that. Hallelujah. You know, and Jesus, in the model prayer, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. He said, everybody draw on that kingdom. Draw on that kingdom to come. How else are you going to have days of heaven on earth? That's those days right there. Amen? All right. So what we're doing is we are yielding to God when we're calling on those things that are available to us from God. All right? Now, so we're calling in the things of the kingdom of God. So what are we going to do about this stuff over here that keeps haunting and tormenting us? Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Mark 11, verse 23. 
says, For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So he's talking to us about how to deal with a mountain, something that's weighty, heavy, it looks immovable, it looks unchangeable, it's daunting over us. How do we deal with it? We also have to speak. We have to say, be removed. You torment, you be removed, and you are cast into the sea. And I believe that God is doing this, and I don't doubt. I want to ask you this. Does it say anything in that scripture about praying? Nothing. It is, it's not about prayer either. Okay? Now, I know I believe in prayer. Does it sound like I don't believe in prayer? I believe in prayer completely and entirely, okay? But we're talking about kingdom living right now. And what I have to understand is I have to call to that stuff and I have to command that stuff, okay? I have to have a command on this and I have to have a call on this. Just the other day, I was listening to a minister talk, and he was talking about how he doesn't, he ha always hated exercise, you know, which there's a few people in life that like exercise, you know what I'm saying? It's probably in the kingdom of God, we just aren't there yet. We need to call to that, amen? But um, he said the Spirit of the Lord told him to take authority over the stronghold of how he felt about exercise. Now, you could have prayed for days and days and days and days. And all he did is he said, I take authority over that stronghold in my life that causes me to despise exercise. He said it broke, and now he really enjoys it. So it's the command against darkness and the calling to the kingdom of God that sets us in this place of days of heaven on earth. It sets us in that place. Hallelujah. And he didn't say, now you pray away the mountain. You pray away the problem. You pray away the stronghold. No, because if you're doing that, then what is happening is you're not using the God-given gift of choice to do something about it. And if you wait for God to do something about it, you've never practiced in your senses the choosing of right and wrong, and you will be tossed to and fro constantly because you never took a stand about anything. And you waited for God to do something about everything. Okay? You are a born-again child of God. You know right and wrong. You know what is correct and what is incorrect. You know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now I have to ask you, how well are you resisting what the enemy is doing out of his kingdom, trying to entice and attract you away from what's going on over there? He can use small things. He can use big things. He can use great things. He can use large things. He can use puny things. But the idea is you have to recognize what is he using on me to get me. You know, um, he, he can use different things on different people, okay? Now, this is not a dishonor. This is not a dishonor of my husband because he's worked through this. But if you scratch his vehicle, <laughs> and I, ah, it gets scratchy, you know. Some, he said, you got another door ding. Probably I parked somewhere on a parking lot. Duh. You know? And it's like, you don't notice this? You don't care about this? Really don't. See, it's a bait. It's a bait. We all have our thing. What's the bait? Mamas, when, you, when, when your kids get in trouble, you understand what I mean, mamas? When, when, when somebody does something to your children, they could do it to you, and you could recover. They do it to your kids, and this is the kingdom of darkness in operation right now. Do you understand what I mean? Okay? 
But see, that's bait. That's bait. You know, um, man, some men are like this. Do that to me, not to my wife. Now, there's a part of that I understand. Same way with the moms and the kids. I understand. We're protectors. We're guardians. We're watching overs. But that's okay until it gives the kingdom of darkness a place. Okay? You know, some, some men watch over their wives. Okay? And, and if, if you look at them funny, you're done. I'm never speaking to you again. You understand what I mean? They're protectors that way. You know, somebody burns something in your kitchen or tromps through on your, with muddy boots on your carpet. You, you name the thing. I don't know what it is. You know? What, what does the enemy bait you with? What does he bait you with? The dishwasher ran over. Okay? Somebody put a red sock in the white laundry. You name it. What is it? He's got something to bait you. Okay? And it could just be, I don't like to go to bed at night, so I go to bed at 3 o'clock, so I can't get up to go to church. He has baited you. He has baited you. He's baited you to feel that this is not as important as it really is. All right? And whatever it is, you have to, you have to know what is he baiting me with. And then we have to learn how to resist the bait. Resist the bait. I will not take the bait. You know there's smart fish and stupid fish. Right? Some of them fish are this long, and you know that they have eaten off of a hook once or twice in their life. Okay? You've got to be a smart fish and not take the bait with the hook in it, all right? You have to know how to do that. You have to learn how to resist the enemy, small things, because if you don't resist in the small things, then you won't resist in the bigger things, because it's all about, for the enemy and the kingdom of darkness, it's about acclamation, 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 acclamation. Some of the strategies of darkness is put it on television enough. When we were kids, do, do you remember, you didn't see some of the things on television like murder and stuff like you do now. Now, whole series are about how we murdered it, what we could do, how gross, uh, we, gruesome we can make it, and all that kind of, what's that doing? desensitizing society to how painful that really is. And then we end up with shootings by young people in weird places and wonder, how did that happen? Well, we got them acclimated to violence. So it's not such a big deal anymore. And so that's what the enemy wants to do is acclimate you by everybody else is or what is it really going to hurt or everybody else can do it or I did it once and it wasn't too bad a result, or it goes on and on and on. Or I did it once and got free again, so let's just try it again. And none of that works because there comes a time in your life where God is saying, you have to be faithful with a little before you're going to get the much. So stand resisting the enemy in the small choices so I can add to you greater things for your life. Because I can't give you greater things in your life because you've not been able to be faithful with the small choices that are before you now. You know, and I don't know your thing. You know, you know your thing. You know, all of you probably right now can think, I know what the devil uses on me. It's that snooze button. <laughs> You know, whatever it is, you know what it is. But he has a plan. He has a strategy, something to use on you. And what you have to do is say, I'm going to be awake and alive enough to resist whatever he's bringing my way. Amen? Because I'm using my choice to choose the kingdom of God. Because if I don't intentionally choose the kingdom of God, this kingdom is just waiting for me to slide just a little. Just a little, just a little, because the idea is to make this life appear easier, appear better, appear simpler, because, and it, 
you know what happens? It goes in agreement with you because you came out of that kingdom. And you're trying to, you're trying to trench a whole new road. But this whole new road is a better way of life. But as long as you don't want to trench, and I'm not, trenching sounds like a really hard, laborious word, okay? That's not what I'm meaning. Once you get so far, it becomes a highway, okay? But he's still got rocks and thistles over here for you. So it's about making enough decisions that you bypass the bait so that that bait can't be used on you any longer ever again. It's those consistent small choices. Amen? Hallelujah. Did you get something tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to choose the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Why don't you all stand to your feet? Hallelujah. Father, tonight we set ourselves in agreement with your word to choose life that we and our descendants may live. I thank you, Father, that you help us refuse darkness refuse the kingdom of darkness and to choose life. Father, it's our desire to draw in tighter and tighter to your plan and your will for our life. Father, we cherish and are hungry for the days of heaven on the earth. Help us to be matured and grown in that, that we receive that and live that. I ask right now for strength in the choice, determined decisions, I thank you, Father, for a quality decisions made to choose the kingdom of God. And I thank you and I praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us for this message. We'd like to take this opportunity to encourage those listening from anywhere in Central Oregon to join us Sunday mornings at 10 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. for our regular services. We understand that many do not have a home church, and we can't emphasize enough the importance of connecting with a church family. We'd be honored to meet you and spend time with you praising God.